I may have committed some light war uh-huh. crimes. <laughs> Follow for more soft war crimes, Uwu. <gasps> no! <laughs> oh god, I wish there weren't actually people like that. Waiting for a break in the rain Waiting for the moment to change your lane I came home from the wasteland Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl Created out of nothing like a comic book girl Hey! What's up, babes? Let's get into it. Let's Hello. dig into it. Hello. My name is Air Sovereign, and I'm here to say that I like Animorphs in a major way. <laughs> Let's introduce ourselves, God. I already did. My name's Air Sovereign, and I'm here to take down this book like a boss, like a like a boss in a, a MMORPG, because it's a whole lot to break down. What are your pronouns? There's like stages. Would you say there are layers, like an ogre? What are your pronouns? Who are you people? <laughs> I'm the ghost of bad memes past. We're never going to get anything done. I'm going to fail this class. That's okay. We'll we'll co- we'll go down with you. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Parker Renevere. I use she, her pronouns, and I've had two liters of seltzer every day for the past week. That's horrible. It's yeah, great. I'm sorry. That's cursed. Get out of here. Hi, I'm Cassandra Kelly. I use she, her pronouns, and I love a delightful protein-based snack. Oh. <sighs> can't get behind a protein-based snack enough i'm i'm a protein-based snack and you can get behind me anyways let's get <laughs> on to the podcast <laughs> let's, let's get on with our discussion god. oh my god okay <laughs> i have so many notes to break down yeah uh this one's a doozy Today, we are talking about Animorphs, Volume 13, The Change, narrated by Tobias, one of the two Animorphs journals that I actually read as a child, and boy howdy do we have a lot to talk about. Oh, this is one of the ones that you read? That's... This is such a crazy one to read first. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I got, I got feelings. Erso, let's... Uh, do, you have a, do you have a synopsis for us? I wrote a synopsis. What voice should I use while reading this synopsis? Uh, presumably your own. Okay, I will. Animorphs number 13, The Change. Tobias is flying around feeling fairly morose when he decides to check on his friends in school, notably Rachel. He sees that she has been awarded an academic achievement award. The Packard Foundation Outstanding Student Achievement. But she seems shy about it. The two go flying together, but when Tobias tries to show her a spot that he really likes, they simply find themselves in another location. Coincidentally, that spot is also the escape route of two Hork-Bajir controllers fleeing from many, many human controllers. After discovering the green monsters are not controllers, but now represent the only two free Hork-Bajir in existence, Rachel and Tobias help guide the two to a safe location until they can decide what to do. The Animorphs gang meet up and decide to help save our new friends. The question comes down to what to do with them, as they obviously can't integrate them into human society. Uh, And Tobias's random idea generator, aka the Elemist, suggests a perfect valley hidden from the Yerks. Tobias communicates directly with the Elemist, saying he doesn't want to be controlled, and if the Elemist is using him, he wants something in return. The Elemist agrees to these terms. 
The gang guides the Hork-Bajir, Jera, Hami, and Ket Halpak, their names, uh, to the valley, but the controllers are hot on their trail, and Tobias is injured. Moments before furry death at the hands of a raccoon, Tobias holds the Elemis to his end of the deal, but to his surprise, Tobias does not turn back into a human, but instead regains his morphing abilities. He returns to his friends, blows their minds by morphing into Jerahami, and the group concoct a genius but dangerous plan to convince the Yurks they killed the hork and get the real pair safely to the valley. After all is said and done, the Elemist further gives Tobias what he deserves by allowing him to acquire his human body via time travel? Wowie zowie. Wow, so okay, so what are our initial feelings after having read this book? Only in rereading this this incredibly important historical text did I realize how much this book informed my entire relationship with gender in my adult life. Whoa, let's get into that, because like, we all know that we have feelings about Tobias, and this is kind of like the most important moment in his whole new life, so... Tobias sort of builds himself in this book as the sort of edgy, slightly dark, sort of like, no one understands me sort of thing, but like, like that feeling of his that nobody understands him is entirely warranted by his situation. Mm -hmm. You do feel for him in this way, or at least if you've got weird genders like I do, you feel for him in this way. Um, It's absolutely a thing. That said... The first big gender moment for me in terms of like, oh man, I'm feeling it, is not actually about Tobias at all. It's when Rachel morphs a hork bajir and is just like, this is awesome. (laughs) Everything about her experience of that is just like, oh, that's what I want. I want to be powerful. I want to be seven feet tall. I want to be covered in blades, but which are for eating tree bark with. I want to just eat tree bark and like, destroy things with the blades attached to my arms and face all the time. And feet and legs. I mean, Parker, you know, I totally respect that that's a gender thing, but I think many people, myself included, would like to be seven feet tall and covered in blades. Yeah, but that combined with Tobias's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like repeated sort of discussion about the inadequacy of his current form and the inadequacy of his human form and trying to find a a sort of like middle ground there. The fact that he refers to himself as a capital B bird boy pretty early on. (laughs) Uh, And the fact that he appears in his sort of beautiful mind palace with our Lord and Savior, the Elemist, as this sort of like part bird, part human amalgam. Okay. All right. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna get off my gender horse, I'm gonna tether it to the uh, to the thing, and I'm gonna canter on into the saloon of this comet that you've just made. The hitching Because post. how is it possible that the Elemist is fake given what's going on? It's a wait, cover-up. Wait, wait okay. let's back up a little bit before we go into our conspiracy corner. Okay. Um, I want to talk about postmodernist views of gender and this book. <laughs> I still don't know what postmodernism is. And I, at this point, I'm not sure I want to know. Tell me about the, these, this this postmodern gender thing. I, I you you've read more books about yeah. this, but as the resident trans on the pod, I mean Brad is trans too, but Brad is asleep. So no, as as the trans person, I want to know. Tell me. I wanna know. Can you show me? I wanna know about these strangers like me. That's kind uh-huh. of a trans song. Now that I think about it, or like a generally queer song. I want to know about these strangers like me. Is Tarzan, is Tarzan a trans narrative? <laughs> Tarzan is absolutely Guys, wait, a trans narrative, real, yes. Though, is Tarzan a trans narrative? Is every coming of story, <laughs> story a trans of narrative? Story. Coming of story. Is every coming of story. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> coming of story. 
story a trans narrative. Is anyway. every coming of story a story trans? <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, go off air so. Yeah, let's hear it air so. You want to hear my opinion, a cis woman's opinion? Yes. Okay. I mean, I do think that cis women do often have sometimes very bad takes on gender, but sometimes very interesting takes on gender because being a cis woman also kind of sucks. To complicate that a little bit, um, (laughs) being a cis woman is always in direct uh, non-compliance with the patriarchy. So like it's a non-standard gender and therefore is like has an interesting opinion. Anyways, um, (laughs) so postmodernist views of gender. I say postmodernist because there may be a better term for this. However, the, the whole the whole series of journals works to break down the barriers between what we consider normal for being in one body versus another. So I would argue that like Tobias feeling like some of his forms are strong and some are not strong and him wanting to find what best expresses whatever he needs at the time. That's like, okay, we have so much to break down right there, but like, you know, gender as like a social construct in there with set roles and Mm. goals for those people within that gender in society, like having exclusive jobs to that is like a obviously outmoded thing, but like this is in the 1990s. So maybe even as like a probably queer boy, Tobias is like struggling with those things. And his and like, and Rachel's like, fascination and obviously Parker's fascination with like this self-actualization is a very postmodernist approach. So Tobias has sort of distanced himself from a feeling of belonging in his own body in a couple of ways now. On the one hand, you have his initial transformation from boy to bird. I think just like from from before he becomes a Nofflet, uh or at least this is sort of like the, the the part of him that isn't sort of bummed out about the fact that he's a Nothlet. Like, that transformation frees him from so much, and it is so liberating for him to be in this body, and for it to feel like it is his body, and for him to feel empowered by that. Mm-hmm. So that's one sort of layer of transition. There's the other layer of transition where he's in a hawk body, and he is sort of nostalgic for the experience of being a human. Like, the bits where... Tobias is talking about the experience of being a human. I definitely had the thought in my notes, like, what's so great about being a human? I would much rather, like, like fly around all day and, like, kill something and eat it than, like, pay taxes and do a puberty, like, God. But the moments where he's talking about all of the things he misses about being a human resonated very strongly with my understanding of what it's like to long for the experience of just, like, living in a particular gender presentation and like living as yourself so he's got like that sort of transitional quality as well and then he's got the sort of middle of this binary here where he's this sort of bird boy he's a self-identified bird boy <laughs> sorry sorry assigned bird boy at birth uh, and, and try as he might no uh, he was he had he had bird boyness Isn't he achieved just bird a government assigned persona god i hate that <laughs> Um, no, don't reference Harry Potter. This, it, how is Harry? What? Anyway, uh, 
so so even he he can't even hide it from the elemist that he is a bird boy at heart that he is both of these things at once he cannot hide it he like tries i think there's a there's a moment where the elemist is like uh have you looked at yourself lately and tobias is like no absolutely not i don't like looking in mirrors it makes me feel weird for reasons that i don't care to examine the elemist is like i chose a shape you would identify with baloney you know me better than that you know i'm human are you you don't look like a human to me I looked at the body I had, a body that was equal parts boy and bird. What do you want from me? Why are you making me do things I don't want to do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is like peak gender. It's peak gender. And like, I don't, I I can't speak to Tobias's actual feelings because this is about as close to a record of Tobias's gender feelings as we have. I don't, as far as I'm aware, like, the, the, the Animorphs journals that we have that Tobias narrates where he talks about this degree of internal struggle, and given what I know about future books and his struggle with, like, sort of choices that he now has access to based on what happens in this book, like, that's the only record that we have about how he actually is, but, like, if this ain't a gender, I don't even know what it is. Yeah, it really sucks how few, like, primary sources the Animorphs left. You have these journals, and then I think Marco and Cassie both wrote, like, memoirs and stuff, but um, it's, like, pretty commonly acknowledged, not just by conspiracy theorists, but by most, like, scholars and most people, that Marco's writing, especially, he pretty heavily edited and changed stuff, and, like, allegedly Cassie's memoirs are less edited but who knows we have very little to go off but like when i see people being like blood to bias is a trans he's a straight person like all of us i'm like i don't know whether or not that's true but it's not relevant Tobias Animorphs is a straight, heterosexual, cisgender male man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> named Philip from Out of Species. <laughs> Tobias from Out of Species. Yeah, anyway, uh, holy cow, this whole book, being trans. I just wanted to be a hork when I grew up when I was a kid, and I'm not convinced that that's not the case now. It would be cool to be one of those. Mm-hmm. I am so frustrated by how restricted the Andalite government has chosen to make morphing for this exact reason. Go off. But also, let's get into the conspiracy. (laughs) Let's talk about conspiracies, y'all. Mm-hmm. You can get started without me. My mouth is full. Okay, but we need you, though, because you still don't believe the Elamist exists. So if the Elamist doesn't exist... How does Tobias get the ability to morph? And if he had the ability to morph the entire time, what I'm saying is that this doesn't make any sense unless you have the Elemist. But I think the Elemist seems silly. I I mean, it does make sense if you don't include the Elemist. The, okay, so, like, I'm not saying that the Elemist is not real or that, you know, Elemists are real. I'm just arguing for, like, a plausible second explanation because i think it's worth our time i dig this i'm willing to follow you here because i want something that makes more sense than a invisible sort of like puppet master sort of gm for the entire world little child parker follow me into the conspiracy corner Yeah, let's let's hear your other plausible explanation because i want to come with you because the elemist is pretty wild it does freak my bean a little bit 
I think I think it it's very convenient that these are serialized because it makes it very easy to rearrange when things happen in history. You could very easily rearrange them to make the story the way that you want it to. And at some point, I'm going to say a spoiler here. Should I remove my headphones? No, it's like relevant to the discussion. It's kind of a minor thing, but like if you don't want to be spoiled at all, then remove your headphones. I mean, I think it's fine. I should know this stuff anyway. I should have learned this stuff in school, yeah. but I went to a bad school I mean, for to be fair, youth history. You could, like, accidentally ask Ruth Isthil himself, have not paid that much attention in class. I mean, there was part of it there, too. I mean, the reason I went to a bad school was because I couldn't pay attention, but anyway. Pretty Andalite girl. <laughs> Spoiled me for these hundred-year-old historical events. So the Animorphs, after, after a certain point. And by after a certain point, you mean book 20. Yes. Uh, the Escaffold device, and we're, we're going to get into that when we when we reach that point. But So the Animorphs become the sole possessors of the Escaffold device, which... For those who don't know, that is the blue box, the morphing cube device that started this whole thing and made it all possible. So part of me wants to suggest that Tobias just got the scaffold device and they blamed it on the Elmist because it was convenient for various reasons. Because this is a very obviously powerful tool and slash weapon of like war. And I think that they didn't want people to know that they had the escapal device for as long as they did. So, like, they're like, ah, it was the Elemist. He used magic powers, and I was able to survive a raccoon attack. Uh, okay, but why lie about it slash rearrange history? That Parker, I do not well, have no, an explanation I, I think that I have a very simple explanation for this, which is, Parker, I know that you're not as familiar with these historical documents as, for example, I am, because I'm a huge nerd. But the events surrounding the Animorphs' um, acquisition of the Escafil... See, I've always heard it pronounced Escafil. Uh, of oh, the Escafil I've only ever seen it device are not very flattering overall to the Animorphs. Um, <laughs> are you talking cast... about war crimes? I'm talking about war crimes. I am talking about <laughs> torture and breaking the Geneva Convention again. Uh, I, I wanna... anticipate oh God, I wanna... many... Uh, spirited debates in our future. So I, am excited. I would argue that they left into that narrative only the mildest of their numerous war crimes uh, in that specific era of history, because again, they commit many war crimes. <laughs> I may have committed some light war uh-huh. crimes. <laughs> Follow for more soft war crimes, Uwu. <gasps> no! <laughs> oh god, I wish there weren't actually people like that. Anyway, Anyway. my point is that um, maybe whatever they were covering up made them look even worse than the existing narrative does was something linked to the fact, I don't know what, but something linked to the fact that this actually happened earlier than when they placed it in the narrative, that they actually acquired the Escafil device earlier. Okay, so... (laughs) The Helmicrons are fake! (laughs) The Helmicrons are fake! (laughs) I, I, I don't know what that is. Um, so okay so this is a reasonable explanation i i'm willing to i'm willing to accept that this that this could happen (laughs) except (laughs) except how does he get his his human his human body morph back it's fake they since so you know it's fake 
You know how the it's cover you, listen to me. You know how the cover art always has Tobias looking different all the time? It's I mean that the kid on the cover is not blonde, that's for sure. It's actually because Tobias was not able to travel back in time and acquire his past body. He just acquired several similar looking young white ah. men's DNA and combined them to make a facsimile of what he had looked like that was not quite right. That's tremendously how? unethical. Yeah, and that's why okay, they covered just, it up. That's why they covered it up. Just imagine, like, how do they do that? Do they knock out like five kids and then like all have a hawk stand on all five of them? At <laughs> this once? is this is a horror story, is what you're telling me here. This is a this is a literal horror movie, and they are the villains here. Yeah, that's is just what like, I've been I want saying to be a human again. Yeah, that's, that's quite, quite a conspiracy. Uh, that's quite a conspiracy, there, friend. Thank you. And yet, again, like. What you have said sort of checks out to me from a these are some things that could have happened perspective. Mm-hmm, and I'm willing mm-hmm. to accept that there there is another narrative out there that makes sense. There's always um, another narrative out there that makes sense for everything. Yes, but this is the first time you successfully convinced me that there's another narrative out there that makes sense. So good job <laughs> on that. There are a few things that happen throughout these historical documents that I think are a little hard to disprove with regards to the Elamist, but this is one of the things that I think can be argued away. I so just, what's their... I refuse on principle to believe in the Elamist. Well, so what's their agenda? I, I don't think this is a the conversation for... I, I think this is a conversation for later. Um, <laughs> My agenda is female. No, what's <laughs> your agenda? <laughs> um, no, I mean, what's their agenda in doing the George Carlin Invisible Man thing? With the whole world being like, God is real, but not that one. Hey, <laughs> Luigi, what's your agenda? <laughs> I wish you wouldn't do these things. I wish you wouldn't say these bad, terrible, awful things. Spaghetti! <laughs> Why, I hope she made lots of spaghetti! I think it's time to Kool-Aid man it into Marco's masculinity corner real quick. Oh yeah! Okay, uh, Marco does not understand the difference between socially constructed femininity and sexual dimorphism. There is an alternate universe in which the first car that Marco owns, he immediately slaps truck nuts on. Because he doesn't understand. It's If it doesn't have, if it doesn't have the shape of the thing, it's not the, th- I don't under, do they paint their, I don't know. I have to be able to see a gender indicator. What? God. It just, I can't. Mm-hmm. He's gotten to the point of clownishness where it's like, the way that you are clowning right now shames you and everyone who has ever taught you about anything. Can you cite your sources? Uh, what, you want me to, to, to find the specific moment where he talks about, he's so, he's obsessed with, as a lot of, like, people with bad ideas about gender are, he's obsessed with figuring out what the difference is and, like, what what's your, what, the, what are the physical components that are different? between these horses here. Which is hilarious because Marco comes from a species with remarkably low sexual dimorphism. Humans are not very sexually dimorphic, comparatively speaking, to the wild world of nature. 
As much as we like to pretend, it's extremely low. Page 17. How exactly do you tell a man horipajir from a woman horipajir, Marco asked. Do the women put makeup on their wrist blades? Do they use nail polish on those big nasty toes of theirs? I mean, do female horipajir <laughs> cry at chick movies? Mar Marco went on mostly talking to himself. Do they get all goo-goo when they see a baby? A lot of people get goo-goo when they see a baby, I Marco. Well, some people do. It's not a gender thing. As a woman, I do all of those things. I don't get goo-goo at babies. I don't cry at rom-coms. But I do, in fact, use polish on my big nasty toenails. <laughs> because because none you, of the things that he's mentioned. Are you laughing? I use polish on my big nasty toenails. conversation here so like it's okay that you do all of these things but like all of the things that marco points out here it's socially constructed femininity he's coming at it from a perspective i just yeah i mean you know who i know who cries the hardest at rom-coms my father yeah he's a man he has no reason to have a complex view on gender unless he's got truck nuts on his car i guarantee it He's like, I don't, people won't know that I'm a man unless I put these testicles on my car. Masculinity is endangered. I need to preserve it. Yeah, God. Um, anyway, that's my Marco's masculinity quarter. Marco. I mean, Marco, come on. It's not like you're an anglerfish. If you were an anglerfish, I could see why you would be perplexed by the lack of sexual dimorphism. But you're not. You're a human. He's just so clueless and he makes no attempt to be less clueless and it infuriates me. Side note, I would love to be an anglerfish. All those teeth. I, I'm i terrified of anglerfish, but I know how you feel about deep-sea creatures, so I I, I just this. want to have large and dangerous teeth. The thing is that the Horkbyshire treat this really well. They take it they take it in stride in a way that is really funny. <laughs> Male Horkbyshire have three horns. Female only have two horns. Are there any other differences? Other difference for only Horkbyshire to know. <laughs> like, this is very good and very funny. Uh, and this further reinforces the idea that I just want to be a Horkbyshire. Also, like, I don't know. Um, no, no, no. See, other, other, differences, other differences are private to Horkbyshire when they are feeling horny. Stop! <laughs> hey, thanks for having me in class discussion, but I'm going to drop out now. Um, <laughs> oh my god. I'm done. Sorry, I'm, like, anyway. dressed like a douchey 1990s, like, middle school boy bully right now, and I think it's affecting my personality. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's bleeding into reality. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <clears throat> so, all right, let's 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 move on. Is it not politically correct of me to say I want to be a hork -Bajir? 
Like, probably, but we're already so in- politically incorrect in these class discussions. I feel like one more is not going to hurt. If I had to pick, the, if I had the to pick a species... discussion. We're politically incorrect and we don't care we about We don't it. care about your we're feelings. We're not here to coddle your feelings. <clears throat> we all have so many feelings and we all, we all have a lot of feelings to be cared about all the time, please. But, okay, so if I were to pick a species to become a Nothlet, I would pick Hork Bashir. I would just pick a human, but like a hotter human. <laughs> You'd have to search far and wide. All of my friends are very attractive. I don't know how you all do it. My parents are both good looking, so it just kind of happened that way. Also, I'm really good at makeup. Thanks, Levi's. Got love those good jeans. I'm I'm 100 a sham. It's all just a it's all just a, a projection. Ah, oh, stop it. No one uses fax machines, but call you'll hear the noise. Statues left by ancient Greeks, the perfect cheeks of goddesses and boys. Piled in the closet, broken toys. So I want to talk about a line from Tobias because he talks about Andalites. And he's like, he's talking about Visser 3 in this moment, but he's like, he describes Andalites as being borderline between cute and dangerous. Tobias. <laughs> Tobias. What do you mean? Cute how, Tobias? I don't like, know. what? <laughs> I also, can we address how metal it is that Tobias is the first of the Animorphs to draw first blood on Visser 3? Oh my god, you're right. Does this Visser 3 gay? We don't know, but he's bleeding from his eye stalks because he's been attacked by a bird. <laughs> I love that, that makes everything worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, yeah, so I don't really know. Uh, it probably means nothing, but... Uh, we already talked about how hork are vegetarians. Let's talk about the biological imperative to have civil war every hundred Let's years. Let's talk about the fact that there's just this valley in California that's full of hork Yeah, didn't you know that's what people talk about when they talk about the valley girl accent? <laughs> I don't think that's true, but I do think it's very funny. Oh no, it's, like, totally true. Like, literally, the Valley Girl accent actually, like, um, like, you know, is from, like, contact with the hork population and, like, picking actually, up some of their the, speech patterns. If you don't, if you don't speak half hork don't even talk to me. You can't come to get iced coffee with us anymore. You can't sit with me. You can't come to In-N-Out Burger with me. You can't come to In N Out Burger unless you know what a like <laughs> makes garbled horrible noises. <laughs> uh, a fun means. fact about me is that if I am tired enough, I actually my native Valley Girl accent comes back out. That's very funny. I, I think I, I feel like you're you're goofing here, but like after the inclusion of Hork Bajiri to California's sort of like general education program as like a language. Uh, it definitely, I mean, it did make a big cultural impact, especially because, you know, considering it was, it's one of the easier languages to learn, it kind of got used as, uh, like a sort of like filler class for like student athletes. So it did definitely influence the culture. Um, that's a good point. Wait, oh my God, I'm doing research for a really good goof right now. Hold on. Um, Tobias, a couple of times, uh, over the past couple of books, various animorphs have referred to... Thoughtspeak as being like email that you could address to everyone, which I don't know what that means because email is sent to specific people. I think it's sort of like well, you, you can't know, email you know that one everyone. time. Wait, wait, wait! You know that one time last year 
where the administration sent out like some announcement to the whole school but instead of like bccing everyone they accidentally put everyone's email in the like main at and so then everyone started replying with like dog pictures and memes like yeah (laughs) a little bit of a fiasco for some elements of the uh of the student body but yes i do remember that also, like wait, 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 everyone, shut up. I came up with a really good goof. I just had to do one quick um, bit of research, which is California girls were undeniable. Hork, bajir, pigeon, we've got it in school. That's, pi- I mean, yeah, that's pigeon, P I D G I N. Yeah. Yeah. They do. I mean, you could, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, Tobias refers to the Hork Bashir as the shock troops of the Uruk army, but that's not what shock troops means. What does shock troops mean, local military scholar Parker Renevere? Shock troops aren't like the elite units. Uh, they're not like the sort of like. Because you think of Hork Bashir warriors as being like. Oh, when things need to get, you know, when, when, when you need to call it the big guns, you call it a hork mm-hmm, year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, shock Troops actually just refers to the people who are on the front lines who are slightly more heavily equipped so that they can take more casualties. So, like, tanks. Isn't that, is that not also the Shock it's, Troops? It's the troops like, that you just, like, throw into the fray and don't necessarily expect to, uh, that you expect to restock more or less frequently. I feel like they do kind of use the hork that way. They kind of also use taxons that way. I yeah, think taxons exactly. are more the more the shock troops than the horde bashir. Taxons are like squishy. Like they're actually, it's pretty easy to kill a taxon. Right, but it's also pretty easy for taxons to kill everything else. They kind of view them as disposable in a way. Yeah. Which is wild, considering that that's also that there's a yerk in each of those. Well, you know, slugs all the way down. Even if you're the same species as your imperialistic overlords, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that they'll care about you. Yeah, like, that's a good point. The Yerk Empire viewed everyone as incredibly expendable, like everyone. And that was one yeah. of the many, many huge problems with the Yerk Empire. And that's why I'm very anti-Yerk Empire, even if I am like our local Yerk apologist. Yeah, and the council. <laughs> even though I don't agree with you about most of the stuff, I value your opinion and I value your place in this conversation. I value well, the fact that you disagree because it creates interesting conversations and it is fun. Thank uh, you. Yeah. What else is life about? Eating sunflower seeds. Being a Packard Foundation outstanding student. Um, <laughs> Which Rachel is. I, for her. I got a lot of, like, former gifted youth feelings about everybody just razzing P- Rachel for being a Packard Foundation Outstanding student. I was like, oh, yeah. It's like, I don't know. I just, I, every time that that happened, I thought it was hilarious. Um, Cassie does it at one point just out of nowhere. Uh, it's very it's like It's like Marco's hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Marco has bad hair. Rachel's smart. Everyone has something to laugh at. <laughs> Tobias is a bird. Ha ha ha. Jake is, Jake is a, he's got a stick up his butt. And Cassie... Is too nice. Um, Jake's sort of personality nice. is essentially just sour cream. Um, Cassie's so hard to actually <laughs> laugh at because she'll just be like, she'll be like... Cassie, Cassie is the, uh, is a tree-hugging dirt worshiper, the bumper sticker, the person. Mm. Yeah, but she owns it. She <laughs> owns it so hard and she rules. I love it. I am, as, as someone who... Is also a tree-hugging dirt worshiper. And then Axe you can just make fun of because he's Philip from out of state who wants to tell you about the cream separator. This is Philip from out of state and that over there is my girlfriend from Canada. Uh, 
Oh, oh man. Oh man, yeah, Philip from Outer State needs a girlfriend from Canada! <laughs> ah! If that makes sense. I do have one more thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna inform the girl that you have a crush on that you are able to resume your normal human body... To some extent. Maybe don't surprise her during an awards ceremony with that. I think Tobias has seen too many, like, rom-coms with big, sweeping, like, dramatic reveals at the end. I think you're someone, exactly right. You know, it's like pre-9-11, so, like, someone, like, running through the airport to stop a plane or whatever. Ba, ba, and so he's ba, ba, like, ba. clearly this is the way to handle this, is by just showing up. Yeah, this is a, a, a teen move, I think. Uh, this is something I definitely did as a teen. I was not considerate of the fact that people might not like to be surprised with huge reveals uh, when other stuff that is important is going on. So. It's like a it's like a promposal. You know, in high school when people do those elaborate promposals in public. Oh, God, yeah. No. So ridiculous. Do people do that? Unfortunately, I yes. never went to prom, so... I saw it happen in a few of my classes while I was in high school. No one, like, did it to me because of everything about who I am as a person, but I did see it. All of your great qualities. No, no, that's less, like, self-hating and more that it was extremely obvious that I would be super pissed off if someone did that. Um, Also a little self-hating, but, you know, whatever. No one proposed to me when I was in high school. No one promposed to you. Whenever the pandemic is over, we should have a prom. And your girlfriend can prompose to you or something. Aw, cute. <laughs> My gut reaction was absolutely not, but I actually maybe dig that a little bit. I just like getting dressed up fancy. Yeah, just wear whatever cool fancy queer clothes you want and just dance to cool music. And Yeah, we'll listen to Gex and go crazy. <laughs> Um, anyway. Sorry. That's all I that's all I have at the moment, Tackle. We got another Star Trek reference. Anything other tackling points? Horpish or something? I went on a cool date language? with my girlfriend. Great. I, I mean, that's anything pertinent to the book, actually, is more what I was thinking. Um, no. Cool. Okay. Maybe we should maybe wrap this up. Maybe. You seem unsure whether or not we should wrap this well, up. Well, I want to. You said maybe like five times. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to cut anybody else off if they have any more points. But I, I'm all set. I think I've, I've, I've rambled enough about gender. I am simply vibing. Simply vibing. We should all sing the stupid horse song for the next book. Oh my god. <laughs> Lots of money in my thing. I have no idea what is going on. Lots of money in the payphone. Oh no. <laughs> Alright. Uh thanks everybody. I hope your next week is good. Oh, next week we are reading. Let me let me pull it on up here. The stupid horse Number one. Number 14. The stupid horse one. No. No. Uh, no, it is kind of the stupid horse one. Okay, yeah. but don't. But don't. Okay, hold on. Small spoiler for next week. Cassie takes part in a horse race. Horses dial phones and a lot of defecating happens on camera. So like, this is a, that is a small part of what is wrong with next week's book. I can't wait. Next week we're reading volume 14, The Unknown, narrated by Cassie. It does have a horse on the cover. Told ya. All right, thanks everybody. Uh, I'm gonna see if Brad is awake. Stay safe, stay healthy, drink water, take your beds. Have a good time. Read the Animorphs journals. There we go. Read the Animorphs journals. All right, okay. bye. Bye, everyone. Stay safe. Bye, everyone. Stay safe. The Morph Report is now on Patreon. We care a lot about accessibility, and we want to provide transcripts for our podcast. However, we are not able to keep up with the transcripts ourselves, 
for much the same reason that we care about accessibility in the first place. To help offset these costs, we have introduced two preliminary tiers on Patreon at a $2 and $5 level, and we are working on more. If you're interested in supporting us so that we can transcribe our episodes and also so that we can pay for our hosting fees on Pinecast, please look us up or follow the link in the episode description or on Twitter. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks to Noelle McGarelli for the use of their song Comic Book Girl off the album Field Notes from Another Place and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of Noelle's music at noellemcgarelli.bandcamp.com or find a link in the show notes. The Morph Report podcast is hosted by Hamlet Cooper, Scrivener Lamb, Marina Malucci, and Blythe. You can follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Pottermorphs, email us and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stop in Armageddon like a comic book girl. Dead on page 11.